Welcome back to the Winging It podcast, how to build, maintain and totally own a career that you love. I'm Lucy Hitchcock and I want to help business owners and career women learn something new and build a life that they love through creating a meaningful and fulfilling career. Influencer marketing is an essential part of any marketing strategy for e-commerce businesses. But if you've never reached out to influencers before, you're probably wondering where to start, how much you should expect to pay, what the return will be, and how to choose influencers who can give you brilliant results. So we've got an expert in to tell us all about it. Speaking of influencing or lack of influencing, you can now follow the Winging It podcast on Instagram for all things business, marketing, and mainly memes. I see it as a place to share all my hilarious or not so hilarious business mishaps, which you can perhaps learn a thing or two from, as well as being a hub for the Winging It podcast, obviously. If you're listening to this on your phone, make sure you get the best experience by downloading the Entel app. Entel is an interactive podcast platform that combines the best of audio storytelling with the richness of the web. So this means you'll be able to follow links, view images, follow people on social and much more by just tapping your phone. Okay, so in your own words, who are you and what do you do? I'm Sedge and I run a influence marketing agency called Scene Connects. So we work brand side to make sure that they're doing it the right way. Amazing. Um, and when did you start doing that? Uh, so our, the agency's been running for about three and a half, nearly four years. So it has aged me dramatically, but it's fun. That just, that's just a sign of running a business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The nature of the beast. You're like, just drink more water and everything will be okay. Just go to the hairdresser's loads, cover my greys. <laughs> that's my uh, top tip. There you go. <laughs> How to run a business. You heard it here first. Okay, so can you tell me a bit about your career? Like, wh- I want to know the first job. So like, mm. I want I want something like really shitty, like a waitress in a bar that you were terrible at. I was never a waitress in a bar. I feel like I can't say that without like having the song in my head. Um, but I, my first ever job, I was quite fortunate because it was like 150 quid a day when I was like 16 years of what? age. But it was ultimately like a promo girl, but not the like sexy carrying around shots. It was a promo girl for like experiential events. Were you dressed as like a carrot or something? My first one I was dressed as what was called a critter. So I had to basically wear this like all white outfit and get people onto a dance mat at like a monster truck event, which is actually brilliant because you used to get free McDonald's at lunch. Uh, I got some Converse for free to wear. And you got paid £150 a day. Yeah, it was great. Balling at age 16. But yeah, I used to do that every few weekends. The worst one was I had to get people into a new store and I think it was like in Reading or somewhere of a similar ilk. And I had to carry this massive sign through the town that basically said, come and get inside me, which would not be allowed today. Um, But I did it and I got abused for an entire day on a high street. It was great. Uh, Also, like on a high street, you just like, you know when someone approaches you on a high street to go into like to uh, someone did it to me yesterday actually he said do you like do you like champagne and being pampered and I went no (laughs) that was basically me don't talk to me yeah apart from I had a quite a grotesque sign just above my head that I was carrying around so uh, that was my first ever job so I kind of did that I think probably once every weekend for a month when I was 16 to probably 18 then I went to uni, so I went to uni in Nottingham Trent, um, and I got a job for Red Bull, which was basically driving the car around for three years, um, and then went to three straight out of uni, doing social media, on to ASOS for five years, and then obviously set up the agency three and a half years ago. Amazing. And what inspired you to start it up? 
I would love to have this like amazing story around why and how, but it's a total accident. So I, I this is even better though. <laughs> so I met the um, chairman of a group called Captivate um, through Nike. So when I was at ASOS, I did quite a few different Nike projects, um, and basically. Uh, Captivate Group have six agencies, well, five then, uh, six agencies, three of which worked with Nike. Nike said, you should meet this guy, you should have a chat. I didn't ask the right questions. I literally just rocked up on my first day and was like, an agency sounds cool, let's give it a whirl. Um, I didn't know where our office was, um, but quickly learned the ropes. Well, maybe, still blagging it. <laughs> that, well, that's why you're here, you're just literally winging it. Well, I don't know whether I should be happy about this, but when you email emailing one of the guys in the team, he was like, you are like the ultimate person. You wing it every day. And I was like, yeah, I do. And then I was like, wait, is that actually a compliment? You're Just like, like struggling through the day and hoping it works out. But it's, you know, I'm here. It's great. But I had someone on earlier and we were basically talking about, so I'm going on her podcast. We were basically mm-hmm. talking about how actually, do you, do you, is it really necessary all the time to have a plan? I don't think so. People no. work in different ways. But for me, no, no. I don't overthink anything. As soon as I start freaking out, because I'm like, right, what am I going to be doing in two years, three years, five-year plan? No. That's it, over my head. Especially the space we work in. Like, it's the so reality, cha- like, exactly. it changes. Like, yeah. everything's changing constantly. You can't you can't even begin to predict what's about to happen. Exactly, exactly. Um, I feel like it's the same on a personal level for me as well as a business level. <laughs> literally. No, but it is. No, it's not it's not a joke it is um i feel i feel you in that sense but um let's talk about influence marketing then because obviously that is what you That's are what we do the specialist in um so i try and get people on here to talk about something in particular just so that people can learn a little bit yep. um especially you know small businesses people who are starting out or even more experienced businesses i think there's always something to learn and i think that's what's really cool about podcasts and blogs and internet and social media and stuff. You can um, never stop learning. You can never stop learning. <laughs> and actually, it's fun. It's funner than going to university and watching a lecturer talk about it. So, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is influence marketing? Mm-hmm. Okay, taking it from the top. Um, I actually think everyone has a slightly different view of what influencer marketing is. And almost like taking that back a step the reason why the agency exists, the reason why I started the talk with our chairman was ultimately because I worked at ASOS. I used to have agency after agency after agency emailing me like, hey, you should do influencer marketing. My first response was like, we already do. And actually, you can read a lot of stuff around ASOS and around how we were doing more than anyone. Now, thinking about it five, six years ago, I didn't realize how far ahead we were against a lot of other businesses and brands. Uh, And the second was, my question was always, brilliant, how are we going to report on it? And no agency at that time could answer the question. So my view was very much of, brilliant, we'll set up this agency and we will prove that working with influencers the right way, being the kind of key line there, does work. So for me, you partner with influencers to for n- numerous different reasons. One is actually doing social media is 24-7 graft. It is hard work. It is a big team. My team at ASOS when I left was 32 people. And actually social media um, influencers, content creators know the platform better than most because they are on it 24-7. So you could work with influencers to generate content um, that you can then distribute across your own earned and paid. You can use influencers very much from a performance metric. So in the simplest terms, here is a top, I am wearing it, this is how I've styled it, you can buy it from here. And it's generating eyeballs to new audiences with new people. Um, and also it's around like understanding your audience, your customer base, what works for them, what they want more of. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes a lot of brands make is not saying, actually, how did you find 
our shopping journey? How did you find the customer experience? And most influencers are saying yes to these partners, these brands, yeah. because they love them. So actually getting their voice heard and then using that insight and data to kind of change the approach and the strategy moving forward, especially if you're a small business, because you have the autonomy to move quicker. Yeah. So in terms of like small businesses, because mm-hmm. I think if ASOS emailed you and said, do you want to work with us? Obviously, that's like a big name. But if you're starting out as a small business, what's like, how can people approach influencers to kind of pitch themselves in the right sort of way? Yeah. I think the first thing is understanding why you are wanting to work with influencers. So one is not jumping on the hype and going, everyone seems to be doing it. I better do it too. Yeah. I think the second thing is like really thinking and looking at who is engaging and interested in your brand. Because actually, again, this is a kind of a glossier motto, but everyone's an influencer. So you might have a thousand well, followers. everyone is an influencer. Yeah. It's like if, you're fr- if you ask your friend where that influencing in its simplest form is going, um, Sedge, I love your dress. Where did you get it? Yeah. And I think that's the thing I get asked all the time. It might be one of your questions, so you might want to change it. I was going to say, people ask where my dress is from all the time. (laughs) Imagine. Um, But no, people ask me all the time, like, is the influencer space going to continue to grow and continue to develop? And for me, I'm always like, yes, of course it is. Because actually, the principle of influence hasn't changed. This is ultimately what I was doing at Red Bull 13 years ago. I was making sure the right people had a can of Red Bull in their hand at that time. They were walking onto stage with an opened can of Red Bull, not really understanding how it ended up in their hand. But then people realize it, see it, go to the bar, my order, you know. Uh, I can't even remember what that drink is when you have Jaeger and Red Bull. What, Jaeger bomb? Oh, yeah, Jaeger bomb. Classic. Obviously haven't had one of those for a while. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the principle of influence hasn't changed, but the platform and to which we distribute it has, and that's the bit that keeps evolving. So my bit would be, are there already people that are engaged, aware of your brand or, or business? And equally are the people that are really truly aligned. So it doesn't have to go, we've got a million pound, can you please promote this product? But it could be like, you are really best in class or we're really interested in what you're doing. So, you know, there's at the moment a lot of uh, businesses around sustainability. So whether that is um, loaning out clothes, whether it is like a subscription model to share clothes, retail. Actually, those businesses are new, they're evolving, they're understanding that space. They wouldn't be able to pay a million pound for taylor swift to loan her clothes she's also not the right person because she gets gifted clothes she has a stylist for all the right shoots however you know like an anna claudia who's got twenty eight thousand followers who talks constantly about how sustainability how that's her ethos what's important to her actually a value exchange of can you create some content around our business and you can use our service for free um and again you've then got that option of auditing and understanding what works for someone like an anna and that you can then really grow that model I think it's quite I a think, waffly answer for you there. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's you know, it's, it was a broad answer. Um, but I was going to say that. Um, so I work with influencers on their their own brands, and um, I had Sarah Ashcroft on here. I know Sarah very well. Do you? Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! ASOS days took her to uh, Bangkok, my first ever client that we won. Stop. Yeah. Okay, so we did um, her branding for SLA and the website. Oh, amazing! So if you own any SLA with the logo on it, that is it's all you. It's all me, baby. Um, no, it's not. It's all her. She's fab. Uh, yeah, she came on and said she gave some tips for uh, approaching influencers from a kind of small business point mm-hmm. of view, which was, I think a lot of people send emails going, dear influencer, or... Oh my God, it's so bad when people have an automated template. Hi, so-and-so. And you can see that it's copy and pasted. And I mean, look, I'm not an influencer, but I get these emails from yeah, like course. people saying like, do you want to buy our software? Mm-hmm. And like as a business owner, you're like, no, go away. You haven't even like 
check see what I'm doing um and she said a really great way to get in touch is to actually personalize what you're saying yeah and to say um I don't know hi Sarah um your holiday pictures from Miami looked amazing because um, then you realise it's from a human. Yeah, exactly. And I think, again, that's the thing with this, the Sarah example. That could have been sent at Sarah's level. Someone is sending it out to 50, 500 people. Yeah. Whereas actually, if you are a small business and you're starting out, you should only really be testing the water. So you might want to start with five people. And actually, out of those five people, only three might reply. But do think about, one, why it's going to be relevant to them. And two, something that just makes you go, ah, this is a human. It's a real person who wants to chat to me, who wants to talk to me and understand that they get inundated with requests and some of them are batshit i have like a little i some of the influencers send me screenshots like just to let you know or well done for not sending me shit like this constantly um so yeah they're fun that is one of the things isn't it it's um it's difficult to be heard when there's so many people reaching out so sometimes you have to like make the messaging a little bit different i also think make an effort what exactly make like an if you, effort if you have your own linkedin and you're just regurgitating exactly the same thing that a gary v a stephen bartlett's saying actually what is the point in following you you've got to have an opinion you've got to have yeah. a view and you've got to make it about you and why you exist yeah exactly um so i think the same principle runs for when you're outreaching and get involved with influencers too i do also think just because you like an influencer and you engage with them personally doesn't necessarily mean it's right for your oh, oh my god brand <laughs> we had one client in particular and i mean over wine i can tell you some fun stories but okay, we had I one that was like that. <laughs> <laughs> but we had one in particular that was like these are the 10 people we want to work with and i was like brilliant but we've also got reporting metrics in here around the data that we're going to drive those people won't do it some of them have bought their following some of them bought their engagement some of them their audience was in a completely different territory to which they purchased and ultimately it came back to like a 22 23 year old girl who was working for that brand who wanted to meet those influencers and celebrities so I was like well that's fine however if you want to be able to prove to your business that this works and to be able to get more budget to do this because it's clearly a space you're passionate about this is what we have to do and it was that kind of I'm probably a bit too direct in my approach but I was like like come on um and I think again when brands are starting out and it's something that feels like an influencer for like something else that you have to do there's often well these are the five people I follow and you might be talking about one thing but asking them to promote something different so it's a bit of time and due diligence to make sure you're researching why that person would be interested in the first place yeah so a good example would be a sustainable brand yep um outreaching to an influencer they like that promotes lots of fast fashion um because they're just two different they're two different ends of the scale but that's fine because everyone can have their own opinion. Yep. But at the end of the day, what you're selling is probably not like a high price sustainable product is is not going to be best placed with someone who's got an audience of 20 year olds who all they want to do is buy a new outfit for the weekend. That's going to be 20 percent off on a 48 hour timer from yeah, yeah. a website that's selling clothes for girls of that age. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, so. I always think it's, I, oh, I always come back to this, but I always think it's a really good idea to do like a brainstorm of who your customer is. Like get a piece of paper and like just... Take it old school. Take it old school yeah, and scribble yeah. all over it. Um, and get outside of get outside of your comfort zone. But I also think it's good to get other people's feedback. That's exactly what I was going to say. Chat to people. Yeah. It's also, we do the same thing where most of the insight that I have around future trends, where things are going, is because I'm speaking to influencers all day, every day. And I will validate with them, you know, before I go into a pitch, is this creative idea actually something that you would want to do? Versus just going, I think I know best because I run an influence marketing agency because I'm one person. Yeah. 
and the world's a big place. Everyone's the world is a big place. But, well, it's that thing though, isn't it? When you run it, you're like, this is my idea. This is the best <laughs> idea. And everyone's like, I don't think it is. And you're like, when do I learn to listen to other people on that front? <laughs> I think I think when I was at ASOS, when I, so I left ASOS when I was 20, just turned 27, literally, or maybe just before I turned 27. And I, I think at ASOS, I was very much like, nah, I've got this shit locked down. I know the brand inside out, back to front, upside down. There isn't anything about customer data because we work so close to um, the insights team that I don't know. I worked there for five years and like ASOS has quite a high turnover rate. So I'd be like, oh, someone new. Don't worry, been here for ages, part of the furniture. And then actually when I, and I probably had some of the worst ideas possible, but it was just like, oh, she's been here for ages. She must know the brand. Um, And those were actually the ones I loved the most because you, things that don't perform, you take far more out of it because you have to really analyze, well, why wasn't this right for our customer? And how do I ensure that we never do anything like this again? Mm. Whereas actually when you do things and they're constantly performing or they're over-indexing and sent from the KPIs you set out, you just get into this rhythm of like, cool, brilliant, next, yeah. next, next, next. Whereas actually this side of the fence, I'm constantly willing to be challenged because it doesn't happen I'm as often. S- but I'm so into failure. I'm like, if I if I make a mistake or, I mean, they're never, they're, they're never that bad. But like, you know, Nothing's when you do something- as as you think it is. When you do something and it doesn't go right, I mean, you, you, it's trial and error, isn't it? And then you learn from that mistake. Mm-hmm. And I've said this time and time again, but honestly, like if you do something and you post it on social media and it doesn't, doesn't work, well, what, what's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah. You're going to not do it again. You're going to exactly. move on and do something else or you're going to delete it. Yeah. So completely. But you have to, I think, again, invest that time to understand this hasn't worked. Why hasn't it worked? How do I make sure this is not to be repeated? <laughs> I sense there's some stories behind that. <laughs> I mean, I put think ASOS used to have something like nine, 10 million followers on Facebook and I'd put things out and it was literally me and my mom that liked it. So I was like, got that one wrong. But oh, like God, you say, yeah. you can delete that. You can move on. Yeah. Um, and then you know what they do and don't want to get involved in. Mm. So when do you think using influencers to help boost business is right? Mm-hmm. And when do you think it's perhaps not right? It depends on your product. So again, having something, the easy stuff like influencers is really quick win for, like, again, as you said, those fast fashion brands for makeup where you've got, people have got disposable income it's not a high price value item it's just they do it without even realizing that from instagram they've just clicked through and purchased whatever it might be you need to have a bit more of a robust strategy and a bit more thought behind what you're doing when it gets to higher price items booking a holiday different verticals and and then i think again if you're like an electric electro oh couldn't say that electronical company electronics company on fire um again you have to explain why your product is better or different to anything else that's on a market the market so it's not as much as here's one person wearing a pair of headphones why why does this person need this pair of headphones in their life is it because they're a runner and they're not going to come out is it because they're a dj and actually from a sound quality point of view um so again i think this whole thing of just sending people tons of product just needs to stop one from a sustainable sustainability point of view, but also like, you know, so many beauty brands send influencers every single shade of foundation. So there's no need. There's, there is no need. Do some research, find out what shade that person is, or at least go what you think, one yeah, either like side. Yeah, a few either side, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And all they're doing is binning it, giving it away, and not actually testing and talking about your business. So I think my bits would be, first off, is your business right for influence marketing? Two, start small and then use it as a test bed and grow and develop it. Uh, if it doesn't work, don't try and force it. 
but truly think about what other things that you could do and also think about how you can make that content work and work hard for you. So again, it could be around explaining the how-to. It could be that it's used on a different medium. Don't just go Instagram and Instagram only. There's TikTok, there's YouTube, there's podcasts. There's a whole web out there of like various different tools that work for different businesses, different age demographics, but make sure you're putting the data behind whether or not it's going to work out for you. Amazing. Oh my God, those were like nuggets of gold. Boom. Um, yeah, that's a really interesting point, especially about things like, well, when you're not an established business, it's definitely harder. So say, for example, you're talking about the headphones. Yeah. My dad is obsessed with headphones. Okay. I, I, I don't, I, that and umbrellas, weird. Um, that's so weird. <laughs> got an array of umbrellas for different occasions. For Christmas, get him an undercover umbrella. They are phenomenal. And you can it's get a handle. in a few weeks. There so. you go. You can get them personalised on the handle. I have a bright yellow one. It's brilliant. I love Undercover. it. Undercover. Undercover. Okay, great. I'm looking that up. <laughs> um, but when you're an established brand, so like headphones, yep. he's obsessed with AirPods. Yep. But he's going to buy anything from Apple because he just, I mean, they don't even need to, he doesn't even need to consume totally. an advert. All he needs to do is see in the newspaper, they're bringing something new out and he's like, when did they come out? Because I'm going to get them. Yeah. Um, but when... When you're a smaller business and you've, I don't know, say you've got a niche pair of running headphones that Mm -hmm. you can also, we can use for a triathlon, for example, so you can wear in the water and you can also take it to the bike. That is when obviously it's, it's a slightly different because it's a very niche audience, but you're also, you're having to explain. Yeah. Yeah. What the solution is to the problem. So a little geeky stat for you, but you have to see a piece of content 11.4 times from a brand before you convert. So again, if you are an Ooh. Apple, if you're a Beats, if you're you're a Bose, you are everywhere. So you've got above the line, you've got influencers, you've got social content, you've got paid media, you've got the whole uh, kind of portfolio of marketing locked down. And you do have the opportunity to experiment more because actually you giving away five pairs of headphones and people not using them doesn't matter. Whereas again, if you're a small startup business, actually every penny counts and you're probably working um, in the red for longer than you would like to be until something takes off. So I wouldn't go from a marketing point of view, influencers and influencers only. I would start to really understand your audience, start to think about the customer segmentation, how you can best talk to them, explain your product, and then try and test a few things at the same time. So if you can make sure that they've got social media ready to go, CRM ready to go, um, that you might sponsor a podcast that's a kind of merging, and then you've got the influencer piece to go with it. Whilst that sounds crazy expensive, but if you're just doing a little bit of a lot, actually, if you're doing your targeting right, then you should start to see that brand more frequently and really understand their messaging more. Yeah, for sure. That's actually a really good tip. Because I think, especially with social media, people get so hold up on the idea of just doing everything solely on Instagram for example yeah um that you do sometimes forget that there's other ways to reach your customers totally um people kill themselves over Instagram because it is this whole like competitive space from an influencer point of view and also from a brand point of view whereas actually you know TikTok has now got um I was trying to remember the UK stat but it's got 150 million um downloads it is they've hired some of the most phenomenal talent from Facebook which ultimately means they're they're serious yeah so actually brands influencers yes it is now perceived as being Gen Z but that's not going to remain so how do you get in there early how do you dominate that space it's the same thing with podcasts it feels like it's a saturated market but it's not it's still very much untouched so how does a business and a brand get Mm. in there early and I think if you think about um Harry's the menswear razor company they do heaps within podcast and podcast sponsorship because they have the autonomy to move quickly and to test and to experiment and everything has an ROI figure to it so you have 
enter winging it at checkout and you get 20% off. Whereas like, you know, one of the traditional signed to P&G razor brands, they just don't, they're not able to go onto TikTok without an agency doing a 12 month strategy for them, without them testing loads of content in advance. So actually like, again, the fun bit of being a small business or a startup business is being just- reactive. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We were talking about that um, earlier on. I think that's, I think that is so important. I think everyone can have a plan and a lot of people do love planning. Um, and when you work with clients, obviously you do have to have a plan to an extent. Yeah. But actually to be able to be reactive is one of the most powerful things you can do. Completely. And one of the examples that I give is on our, um, uh, one of the examples that I give is uh, on our social media, if I'm posting a tip, I will take something that someone's asked me, I'll make it into a little tip and post it the next day. And I already know they follow me. So they see it and they're like, oh gosh I like made it onto there or like yeah yeah totally we have loads of followers but like you know every little touch point like that that you get with your customer um and people can see that you're being reactive to something I think it it's so much more emotionally um it gets people more emotionally invested totally. in what you're doing um so it's I think just that's like really knowing cool. that they're listening that you've I know don't overthink it just go for it it's so cute I love it <laughs> This podcast is not sponsored, so I thought what better way to help more businesses out than to shout out some amazing women doing amazing things. Alice is the owner of Alice Malloy Interiors, a residential interior design studio based in Hertfordshire and Essex. I actually met Alice at a She Can, She Did event. I don't know if you've heard of um, She Can, She Did, but if you haven't, you should definitely um, go and check their Instagram out, um, but they run... Uh, events for female business owners Um, and I actually met Alice at uh, the first She Can She Did that I went to and we got chatting there so I thought it would be really fun to include her. Um, So her company's now been running for over 18 months. Her key um, USP is that she isn't the fluffy kind of interior designer although she can do the fluffy sort of elements, curtains, cushions, decor etc she also does more technical service which for those who aren't aware means that she can produce floor plans elevations ceiling reflection plans and tender packages for joinery or bathrooms just to name a few originally alice was one of those people who would say oh no i could never work for myself but after being made redundant from a small development company in london and trying to work for bigger design companies she felt she was a hamster spinning in one of the many wheels for the bigger boss which just didn't sit well with her A month or two after, Alice got offered a freelance position for designing a show home in Northumberland. She decided to take the opportunity, grab it with both hands, and Alice Malloy Interiors was set up using this project as a launch pad. Looking into 2020, she's hoping to grow even more with exciting projects in the pipeline. Alice says running a company is a roller coaster, but she's embracing the highs and the lows that come along every single day. And I couldn't have put it myself. You really do have to just embrace those. You can find Alice on Instagram at Alice underscore Malloy underscore interiors. Okay, well, so interesting that um, we should talk about engagement rates. Um, I think you kind of touched on this earlier um, when we were talking about choosing the right influencers. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of people get scared. And I know people that have been not burnt by influence marketing, but I don't know, perhaps spending 300 pounds sending someone to post a product and actually not getting that return on investment um and i always say to people even if i'm not doing influencer research for them you really need to check out what their engagement rates are like yeah how many comments they're getting what the comments what the like you know what is the content of those comments because 
there is a lot of tea to be spilt on people, mm. unfortunately, who have not acquired in the most legit way. Yeah followers in the most legitimate way which ultimately means that if you think someone's got I don't know 100,000 followers and they've paid for half of those then you're actually not being exposed to as many people and you're not being exposed to the right people yeah how I mean I've got a way that I check for this but how would you go about checking checking out and what tips do you have for people to kind of avoid yeah so we have um as many agencies that do influence marketing do, we have a database that audits all of that stuff and flags if there's any fraudulent activity. Obviously, if you're a startup, small business, you can't necessarily go to a big agency who specialise in influence marketing to do that back check. However, um, the easy things to do is to look at the last, usually around like nine posts and work out the engagement rate. There's quite a lot out there, but as an example, if you've got 10,000 followers on Instagram, your engagement rate at the moment should be around 4%. So if it's lower, you've got to start asking, does the content not resonate or actually is it bot accounts that are on the following? There's a few different tools out there. So one of them is influenceraudit.io. Um, which is a free tool which basically gives you a rough estimate percentage of how many people's following is legit and how much of it potentially may have been bought. My caveat there is a lot of the time, if you are at a level where you've got, you know, 700, 800,000 followers, the way in which the bolts and the algorithm is built means that you will always have a percentage where it's bought, but you it's usually around about 20%, which is they haven't done it themselves. It's just the nature of the beast and being at the scale to which they are. Yeah. Um, as you said, do read through the comments. There's often, if you've paid for your engagement, there's usually a really Good. generic. Great. Yeah, but it's exactly <laughs> emojis. Like, emojis. Fire emoji, palm yeah. tree emoji. Yeah. And you're literally like, cool, you've bought for the, bought this, that's fine. Also, my- I look for engaging comments as well. Like, um, I don't know, you might post a picture of you in an outfit and the, the picture might be of the influencer in an outfit, um, but they're talking about, I don't know, they've been on a dog walk or something and someone comments but like oh I love your boots you didn't tag them where are they from that sort of thing where people are actually yes engaging yeah, yeah. with what it is until they've seen it yeah um but the main one is if you are about to work with any influencer even if it's on a gifting experience like ask for the insight so ask what their swipe ups are from previous stories ask how things have performed they won't be able to say to you when I work with Nike my click-through rate and my conversion rate were x however they should be able to give you a and that's even at like a 5,000 micro level they'll be able able to give you what their swipe ups are they'll be able to give you um any nuggets of information they've had from previous brands because that again gives you the data of what you may be able to see as long as the product is right for that influencer <laughs> so just kind of relating back to that mm-hmm. um i have previously worked with people who have sent stuff to influencers or had influencers into their um establishment i won't name names but um and then got quite upset when a said influence hasn't actually posted what they've either been sent or they brought in and one one of my uh clients in particular said oh they've, they've not done it um had nothing to do with me <laughs> just to put that out there <laughs> they've not done it and and they're now saying they they aren't going to post anything because they weren't happy with x y and z or on another level i've sent them something they haven't posted it and now they're not replying to me i mean from from a perspective of someone posting for free I can kind of understand that you I mean you have to understand that that is the level that that's a risk that you are going to have to take because you're not actually paying for it and you've just got to kind of suck it up and get over it um but do you have any kind of top tips for people who are like a little bit nervous about that sort of thing like actually you know if you're going to send one thing to one influencer um and kind of is it worth it yep Is, is it worth the risk 
So I actually think increasingly so within the last kind of like 12 months, influencers have been saying no more. Um, And I think if you are emailing or you're speaking to an agent of a talent, ask them like, will, do they want this versus just sending it to a gleam, to a Curtis Brown and going, can you just pass this on to your talent? Because actually what happens is when they meet bi-weekly, they end up getting given a massive box of product that they didn't ask for, that they didn't necessarily want, that they don't fully understand. And actually you become one of many in a box. Um, So actually the frustration then lies where the influencer's like, well, you just sent it me and you didn't even ask. Um, And if you did ask, then there is a higher likelihood that they will talk about it and they will post. However, if they haven't, understand it's probably because the product didn't work for them, they didn't like it. And the influencer then has a job of either promoting it and not being true to themselves and their audience or being honest and saying I didn't quite like this scarf because and actually then I think the brand would get more upset because they've given something to someone expect them to go this is the best thing I've ever received in my life and actually if they're going to be really true to themselves that might not always be the case so often influencers won't talk about it because they don't want to upset anyone and to piss anyone off and I think influencers have more of a job to do to say no I tried this and it wasn't quite right or you know, this mascara fell off my face by 2pm. So actually, I wouldn't recommend purchasing it. Um, But their influencers are constantly scared that someone else might see it and someone else might then not want to gift or to pay them for a partnership. But I think from a brand point of view, again, it's like ask the right questions, understand why what you're giving them might be right for them or might not be right for them. I've even done it and I'm absolutely not an influencer, but like there's this incredible, I had Frankie Bridge on our podcast and it was all around mental health and a woman set up a business called Girl Power. Amazing. And she messaged me and she was like, God, this this podcast like changed my life. She had cancer. She set up her own business off the back of like surviving. Oh and she was gosh. like, can I send uh, you a couple of T-shirts just as like a thank you for uh, being on the, for bringing this podcast to me. So I was obviously like, yeah, brilliant. I was like, but however, like I, I'd love to talk about it. Just bear with me. Like life's a bit mental. And I feel guilty every time I remember because I'm like, shit, I never posted about that T-shirt. Um, and this is like, I'm so small scale compared to like that was such an emotional human element to which she came to me however like life is mental so actually same for influencers if they're getting inundated with product constantly um and subsequently i put it on my desk we changed desks where we moved offices and i can't for the life of me find it um and i do i feel so guilty and often i think influencers just completely forget about some of the stuff even Mm. if they do love it which is where the benefit comes in to the contract of guaranteeing that coverage and actually often influencers will reduce their rate for guaranteed coverage as long as the item is right for them so like never go with the first rate if you are a startup entrepreneurial business business owner um as long as the influencer understands why you're getting in touch often if it's right I for also, them. I also, um, a lot of the influencers that I work with, they say to me that obviously they do pay campaigns, right? And brands get in touch with them. And if it's something they've used for years anyway, then, you know, obviously why not? Yeah. But at the same time, they, they have said to me that they take on products from smaller brands um, if, if it's right for them, if they like yeah, the look completely. of it. Um, and I think there's more of that to, too. To I actually think- be more authentic yeah yeah because we want as consumers we actually want recommendations that have not always been paid for yeah because otherwise how do you know if their opinion is actually compromised by money or whether it's actually something they would actually recommend and i think i think i've seen it most within the parenting space but actually parenting influencers are very kind of massive champions of emerging small businesses because ultimately parenting influencers have had a child and actually they might not be able to afford to go back to work because weighing up the costs of a nanny sure. versus the job. 
or actually they want to be there for their child and subsequently they understand that this is now their side hustle has become their full-time gig and there are many other people out there who are trying to do the same thing and you'll see a lot of I, as I said, I've seen it primarily within parenting influencers, but you'll see a lot of like Clemmy Telford does it a lot, Mother Pucker does it, where it's like, actually tell me and recommend to me, Eva Shen does this all the time, some startup small businesses, or I'm going to buy um, Teo, Eva Shen's kid, who I've never met, but know his name. Um, but, you know, she was like, I want to buy this, a trainers for school. Like, tell me a business or a store that I can go to to keep the high street revived. Yeah, but that's awesome. Yeah. And like using your voice for good and using it for something you believe in. Um, but also something that you think your community will be interested in too. Totally. And I think that, again, talking about what's happening this year, from a trend point of view, I think that's that's massive. And I think we'll see increasingly more of that. So previously it's been, this is me, this is where I am, look how great my life is, this picture may have been run through eight filters. And actually this unfiltered side, so you had like In The Fro recently, who's got, I think, like 800,000 followers, literally crying on her Instagram stories about the bushfires oh. in Australia. Um, you have Celeste Barber who managed to make 40 million US dollars promoting Australian bushfires so actually it's around using your voice for things that you really care about that you're really passionate about to make sure that you're not just seen as a clothes horse or someone who goes on all these amazing holidays you stand for something which is why you have that audience in the first place so making sure that there's the barrier there's not that barrier sorry from an influencer point of view as well of just being real and I keep my favourite word of the day human human yes <laughs> But I think that's I think that's important when you're looking for influencers to kind of help your campaign. I always think I actually unfollow anyone who is constantly posting ads because I, I mean, for my own mental health, I'm like, totally. I don't, I, my bank balance as well. Like, I don't need you to tell me to buy anything else. And I actually can't deal with the hashtag ad. Um, so if it's every single post, I'm literally like, no, I'm out of here. I can't deal with it. But yeah, yeah. You'll find influencers like that. Their engagement rates are actually lower than people that don't constantly do that anyway, I find. Yeah, and also I've started to see more of like the way we consume TV or did consume TV, depending on who's listening. Um, <laughs> but you have an ad break, which ultimately pays for you to be able to watch Love Island or be able to watch EastEnders. And bad example is they don't have ads in the show. Well, they, they might do at some point. Oh, really? Well, the- EastEnders specific. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't, well, no, this is just me like speculating, but got it. Uh, there's all this stuff about the license. Some announcement half yeah. the press. Yes. Yeah, stop yeah, the yeah. press, guys. <laughs> you had it here first. <laughs> no, BBC are talking about uh, yes. Well, they're talking about scrapping the the um, TV licensing. Fee. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah, actually, sorry. like, I, I would not be bothered if there was ads on the BBC. No, me neither. Um, but yeah, that's what influencers are doing. So, like, again, to give an example, Hannah F. Gale, she will do an Instagram story that says hey guys ad break and she has done a whole piece to explain like the ads basically mean that I can keep giving you content she staggers them she only says yes to things she absolutely believes in but then she makes sure that she's paid well versus taking less of a fee yeah. for just doing everything and the way that she articulates it across a feed you're like got it makes total sense so from a consumer point of view and I'm very conscious I live in a bubble of marketing jargon and marketing like just often nonsense um however i think it's a really good way for like joe blogs general consumer of going got it that's why she's doing this ad it's very clear to me that this is an ad not trying to hide the fact that it's an ad uh, and just getting on and owning a shit yeah i love that though and i love it i love it when people are honest and i love it when they actually explain 
further into it not just your standard like you know that I only promote things that I love because that's just like a class that's, that's just a given right totally. you're kind of like actually do you really need to say that um but I think being transparent and being open is is super important it makes you want to follow as well because you, you're just like okay I understand that you need got to it. got the transparency yeah. yeah yeah you understand that you need to have ads um I'm just that skeptical person from a marketing background I'm like oh just can't follow these people anymore <laughs> or I do want to follow them in which case thanks for the tips yeah exactly <laughs> actually I will buy that yeah so what is one app that you couldn't run your business hmm. without and it can't be social media okay this is a bit wanky I've had all sorts by the way okay, I've had fine. Uber I've had oh my god I was going to use Uber oh okay well just anyway because because you'll have a good story oh I can't believe I said Uber I didn't say Uber first I thought that was quite a bit of an arsey one because you're like I'm just swanning around London in my Uber which actually I no longer use Uber and I use Captain which I think is quite London niche so if you're outside of London and listening you're probably like what uh, but Captain is ultimately I think a better cheaper more efficient version of Uber oh okay no surge charges there yet sure there will be later down the line Um, but the reason for it is I multiple reasons one I'm often schlepping from one side of London to the other and there's nothing worse than going into like a new business pitch or meeting a client and you're sweaty so for me Uber just eliminates that my second is I'm often like let's just say I do not have my work-life balance nailed down so actually that gives me half an hour 20 minutes to just get shit done and to think about putting the bits you put off or the emails that you're like I'll respond to that eventually that's when I do it yeah you can't do that on the tube no can't do that on the tube or like calls I am never have a call with me I am all about face-to-face conference calls I've like I've got lost on ASOS or the outnet um but actually we had a call we had a call before this and I was like normally people love to have a chit chat and we were like in and out three minutes (laughs) no I'm like all for it I'm like I can't spend too long on the phone I'm like boom 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 let's get that done see you on Thursday that's exactly me I I don't know what it is about phone calls I can't do it I can't do it with anyone like even my best mate I just can't sit on that she can chat for days. And I just can't do it. I'm like, are you alive? I also cool. feel, I also feel really rude as well because I'm the type of person that calls uh calls someone because I n- need something from them. So like a client, I'm like I call them up and I'm like, "Hey, did you see this?" and they're like, "Oh, hey Lucy, how are you?" and I'm like, "Yeah, but did you see that?" and they're like <laughs> they're like, "Oh, okay, don't beat around the bush then. Just go straight for it." I'm like, "Yeah, I've got stuff to do, honey." Yeah. But sitting sitting in an Uber or Captain, it basically means I have that exit. So I'm like, right, I'm just quickly jumping between meetings. I'm in, I'm not distracted because I don't have my, well, I have to yeah. do sit with my laptop open doing emails on the, in the car. But it is that time where I'm like, right, five minutes. What do you need? What can I do? Let's get on with it versus you know, any other app that I might need. So yeah, mine is Captain or Uber. Oh, amazing. I love that. Um, I always share an app. Oh, I've actually got a new app this week. I have a good app for you. Would you like it? Relevant I, to influencers. I would, yeah. So there is an app called Kindred. And talking about like influencers giving back. Oh, have you heard of it? Maybe. So it basically allows you as a brand or an influencer to, so you know how reward style, it's an affiliate model. You swipe up to shop, you click the bio in a YouTube video and the influencer and the affiliate platforms such as reward style will take a percentage of that sale. Yeah. What Kindred allows you and the influencer to do is give a percentage of that back to charity. the UX of the app is shit hot Um, I think it's only been running since about November I just got the guys into the team to like take my guys through it because I think again from an influencer point of view and thinking about the next evolution of the influencer space 
being able to give back to the charity and it feels less of a please go and buy this because I'm going to make more money from it but actually every time you do buy this I'm giving x percent back to charity and you can do anything from like one percent up to a hundred percent um she's a good mate of mine but she's also a brilliant parenting influencer as a woman called Kelly Terranova um and her mom has Huntington's disease so now from kindred any time that she's talking about fashion products that help with her family she can give that percentage back to the charity that's obviously I was gonna say so close to her heart that feels like I'm writing like a tv script but it's so so important and I'm not how does that not exist already yeah it is and also I mean affiliate links are just one source of income for an influencer Mm -hmm. aside from other stuff and I mean I've I've had access to people's reward style accounts. So I know how much money can Makes be made. Cry, doesn't it? Um, I met a 15-year-old yeah, definitely gamer. the wrong job. <laughs> yeah, I know. I met a 15-year-old gamer uh, a couple of months back, and he was like, "Can you just sit through with this affiliates with me?" And he's on the Amazon influencer program, which basically gives you a 10% kickback, which is one of. Like, and also, it's not even just the product that you recommend. It's like anything within like the time of the cookie yeah. session, which yeah, yeah. is like 30 days or something. So you can look on people's Amazon affiliate. Well not that you would because you probably don't have access to it but I have previously looked at people's Amazon affiliate accounts and you get things on there not that they promoted like I don't know kids slides and like yeah but this guy was um, 15 and he's making on average 16 grand a month from Amazon affiliate sales oh my gosh and he was like you know what should I do and I was like buy a bloody house pal invest it wisely exactly I'm like just crying to myself as I uh, leave him oh my gosh well good for him gaming is just a whole new world oh it really is wasn't it wasn't there this thing in America, the the fourteen year old who's making yeah Fortnite a, an obscene amount of millions? Imagine Set being those life. parents, you're like thank you, off you go. But a lot of gaming parents do do it because the kids are it's usually kids, um, because they or they just know the platforms inside out. They've spent time on YouTube, but like um, I think they're in Solihull. But there's an influ- a gaming influencer that I was met recently who is now like one of the Facebook preferred gaming influencers. And his parents, like, converted their entire garage to basically make a gaming studio for him. And he then invites kids down who are from, like, underprivileged backgrounds who can't actually afford gaming consoles, that can't afford all the laptops and gear. And they basically open up their doors to say, right, we're here, get off the streets, come and get involved. Oh my gosh, I love that. It's incredible. That is incredible. Yeah. What a powerful way to kind of use... Your influence. Your influence. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, amazing. Um, Okay, so lastly... Can you share a tip, a piece of advice, or a quote that you like to live by? Mm-hmm. Um, so I will go for a tip, okay. which I guess comes to people who are running businesses. Um, and I was probably nervous and anxious about it when I was at ASOS, but now I'm this side of the fence. It's what I live and die by, but it's hiring people that are better than you. Same. And I think the reason for it is, again, if you think of like the ASOS days, I think the average age of an ASOS employee is like tw- well, was in my day was like 25 years of age. And I was... 25, 26, I can't remember what I said now, when I left. So for me, I was like, I want to be best in my game. I want people to know that I'm shit heart, that I can talk about social all day, every day. But actually, there are people out there that are better at social than me. There are people that are better at influencers than me. There's people better at paid data, the ROI. And actually having those people that can excel in certain disciplines, it doesn't make you look like you don't know the right amount it just means 100%. that you can all do more and have that confidence that that person can really really excel mm. and then it's how you support them through like training learning and development versus trying to kind of keep them in their box and lock them down 
also it's not even like I mean it's not even people that are better than you but people that have different skill sets so like I mean with my business I'm not even gonna it's not even worth me googling how to code x y and z on shopify because i'm like i I don't have time to do that i'm gonna do something i'm good at i'm gonna get the clients and i'm gonna pay someone else to do that because that's you know that's what they're good at and that's totally um my finance director probably despises me he pretends not to um but again it's the same thing the time it would take me to do processing invoicing making sure people are paid on time um which they never do um actually like he just knows that stuff inside out back to front so the same way that I can walk in and talk about influencers and that's why our phone call was like three seconds long. I'm like, yeah, I can chat about this. He yeah, could do the we'll same thing around it. finance and how yeah. to operate a business on a model that is going to be profitable. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's why I don't, I mean, there's certain things I'm definitely not good at and one of them is finance. I just like seeing the money come in, don't like seeing it go out <laughs> and I don't want to bookkeep it. No, so someone else, please do that for me. Thank you so much. I'm done. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Okay, amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. This was really, I feel like this has actually just been such a useful episode, like short but sweet, but like super packed with info. Mm -hmm. Um, And if any small businesses have questions after listening to this, I'm always happy for like on Instagram to reply to stuff. I spend in in my captains. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm really boring and really easy. Just Sedge Beswick on everything. Boom. Um, And where can we find the agency if we want to follow? We're seenconnects.com. Amazing. Thanks so much. And you can find me at LucyHitchcock underscore and at Sassy Digital for tips and tricks. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please go and leave a review. Can you tell them to leave a review? Make sure it's five stars. This was great. Yeah, (laughs) it was. Thank you so much. Thank you.